0: Hey, glad you can make it, and welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking, now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us. With that HR Analytics dashboard helping all of you HR leaders out there trying to get a data-driven view of your workforce, get rid of your manual, tedious, and time-consuming spreadsheets. That's right, we know that you're all looking for a better way to report across your entire workforce, but you're always thinking there has to be a better way. Well, look no further, because we have Employee Cycle, an HR dashboard that has pre-built connections to all the most popular HR systems out there, pulling all your data into one real time centralized, data-driven view of your workforce. Go to employeecycle.com, check it out, get a demo. We'd love to talk about how we can automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have an awesome guest on the show. So please help me welcome Brandon Samut. He's the Chief People Officer at Zapier. And today we're going to discuss what does it mean to have a default to transparency? Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Brandon, welcome! Yeah, that is a great welcome. Love that, Bruce. Good to be with you. Awesome. And for people who have heard this podcast before, they're probably tired of me saying this, but Brandon, I'll offer it up to you. For, let's call it a dollar every time, every time you get on a Zoom call, for a dollar, you can have that intro. And I'll just be there, just clapping you up. Just getting people ready and excited for you to talk about whatever you're going to talk about.
1: <laughs> my goodness, that's worth a lot more than a dollar.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right, Brandon. So before we get into this really interesting topic today, we're going to kick this off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR?
1: Bruce, it is a winding road uh, to get here, at least in, in my, uh, my journey. I started my career in, in, not in HR and not in tech two things that I'm doing today. Um, I started my career in higher education was really interested in how to help young people realize their potential. And so uh, when I finished college, I moved from uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan to Arlington, Texas. And I worked for the University of Texas at Arlington. I was a residence director with 420 students uh, in a residence hall there uh, and worked uh, particularly with first-generation college students on what we called college persistence. And that just means maximizing the chance Uh, that a first-generation college student finishes college and finishes on time. And just learned so much uh, from the students I worked with about all of the different accelerators and barriers uh, to finishing college and finishing college on time. And it just really, really got me thinking about the role that systems play in matching uh, people's potential to opportunity. And, you know, even though my career in terms of sector and job type, you know, took a lot of twists and turns from that point, that theme of more efficient talent markets and better helping uh, people realize their potential, like that stuff. And that brought me to places like uh, teacher America, which is an education organization where I did everything from uh, recruiting, finance and operations and fundraising uh, through uh, graduate school, uh, where I did an MBA and a master's in education focused on kind of the future of work and the workforce and the role technology can play. And then ultimately in 2016, to my first actual tech company, wonderful company called LiveRamp. Uh, B two B data connectivity. It's a tiny little company at the time, and I started there doing technical business development. I wanted to be client facing, and I wanted to get more technical. I got a really big dose <laughs> of both in that job. But before you knew it, about a year in, I got a call from our CEO uh, with an invitation to build out the people team at LiveRamp. Uh, so it was the uh, running the uh, running the people team. Uh, we grew it from. A uh, tiny team of two uh, to 50 over about four years. And the organization itself grew from about 150 to over 1,300 uh, all the way through 2021 when I got a call from Wade Foster, the CEO at Zapier. Uh, Zapier is a company that I've been following in part because it is one of the few 100% remote tech companies of any reasonable size, and it always has been for all 11 years that it's been around. So that was enough to get us on the phone. I should have known better uh, because a few months later after meeting the team, I was leaning in hard uh, on coming over and serving as Zapier's first chief people officer. And that was back in the early fall of 2021. So I'm coming up on one year here at Zapier.
0: Awesome. Well, happy early anniversary. And you're right, Zapier has been way ahead of its time in regards to being remote. So kudos to Zapier for being one of those companies that has really ushered in the remote workforce environment and I'm sure has been able to be a blueprint for how so many other companies are now moving into that working environment. But I want to jump into the topic because this whole concept of default to transparency is really interesting, especially as there are so many things going on in the workforce right now, whether it be layoffs or employees having anxiety about what's happening with their company. And so this concept of your company your team, your people team defaulting to transparency is really interesting. So what does that mean? And where did that come from?
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to flip those two questions around. I'll give you the origin story first, and then I'll tell you what it looks like today. So Zapier started 11 years ago as an all remote company, uh, three people and then 10 people and all the way up through 700 people today. Transparency was something that I think can, like, at the values level deeply mattered or our three co-founders who are still running Zapier with us today. I also think practically speaking, as an all-remote company, this default to transparency focus is practically really useful, right? You have a company that even in the early days, a few dozen people is highly distributed, working across uh, a lot of time zones. And so, uh, you know, simple things that are easy to miss unless you, unless you share the intention, right? Like writing how things work down. And writing it and publishing it in a place everyone has access to counts for a lot. Counts for a lot. Even when you're a 50 person company, it matters even more when you're at 500 plus. And so this is like deep in the founding DNA of Zapier. And 11 years later, with you know 700 plus people all over the world, it's even more important now uh, than it was uh, back in the in the founding year. And uh, some specific ways that this plays out, you know, uh, Bruce, you were talking about, you know, everything that's going on in the tech markets right now, and there's layoffs and hiring freezes. And, you know, people have a lot of questions and, and practically like a lot of concerns about what's going on and what might that mean for my organization or for my job. And, you know, we saw all of this happening, too, at Zapier. And uh, one of the things a couple of folks on our leadership team did, which I just loved, was uh, they said, hey, you know what, like, we we know it's stressful for folks to be making their own sense out of this you know, in their spare time, you know, we're going to get deep on what's going on in the tech markets. we're going to do a lot of this research on behalf of the team. And then we're just going to publish every two or three weeks a, a market update. And that's exactly what they've done for the last three, almost four months now. So every two or three weeks, our CFO and our VP of finance, they hop on zoom with a bunch of like reports, market information and some charts, and they jam out for 15 minutes. It's almost like almost a little bit like a podcast, like we're doing right now. They talk about what's going on. They show some information. And then, you know, really importantly, we talk about what that stuff means and doesn't mean for what we're doing in Zapier. And again, every two or three weeks like clockwork, they make it, they publish it. Uh, Like everything we publish in Zapier, uh, comments uh, are on and welcome. And uh, they're able to answer questions. If someone has a follow-up, clarifier, a concern, it's all fair game. And, you know, that's just one example of where this default to transparency Uh, helps the team stay aligned. uh, And in many ways, uh, also can save a team time, because uh, folks don't have to uh, either create new content on their own. And uh, we also work a lot on making sure that you can find what you need as quickly as possible. And that uh, is probably one of our biggest challenges as we grow. You can imagine that a company that defaults to transparency like Zapier generates or, or throws off a lot of information, and we do too, even at 700 people. So we have a a person on the people team here at Zapier whose um, kind of entire role and mission is focused on knowledge management um, in service of default transparency.
0: That is really interesting, and I'm sure it's very aspirational for so many people leaders out there listening to this right now. But I have a couple questions about transparency. As you read different articles and talk to different people leaders, CEOs, and just other leaders in business about transparency... It's this whole concept that sometimes you can be too transparent and there are certain people on the team that may not be able to handle everything that's happening in a company because they might overreact or they just might not be able to synthesize that data in a way where it makes sense to them without it being alarming to them especially if the data is potentially negative or the info is negative, which you're being transparent about. So I'm curious, do you see any guardrails that you need to have around transparency or do you think radical transparency is the only way to run a business?
1: Oh yeah. Love that question, Bruce. You know, uh, if we're defining radical transparency as, you know, kind of transparency, you know, just on, on all things at all times, um, I wouldn't say we're a radical transparency shop. I think we come pretty close, but we do have a couple guardrails. One of the most important guardrails is this principle that uh, transparency without context can be unhelpful or even harmful. Right. So to your point, like let's say um, you know Zapier is a good example. I mean, we, we have uh, live a live feed of the company's performance on our internet. Anyone can look at it anytime. Right. And we're also very clear about our goals and our aspirations. And so at any given point, folks can see, you know, how far uh, ahead or behind we might be right to those goals. It's there for everybody to see. If we stop there, I don't know if we'd be living into that principle of transparency uh, needs to come with context. Right. And so we do things like, you know, these market updates. Uh, We do a monthly financial report, which digs into like the why and what's next for everything that folks have access to. In terms of our performance and that's really important because uh, again um if we if we share uh, facts and information uh without providing guidance on what sense we're making out of it and what either we as a team or individuals can do with that information I think it's actually quite unhelpful and in some ways uh you know, especially for a company like ours which is all about like automation and, and streamlining how things work so that people can do the things that only people can do can actually burn a bunch of burn a bunch of time Right, are folks trying to figure it out for themselves. So for all those reasons, like one of our core principles around transparency is this notion that transparency uh, with context uh, is what's ultimately helpful.
0: Got it. What are some examples of an average individual contributor doing to default to transparency? What does that look like? Because I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, I get that from a leadership perspective, but if this runs through the entire org, what does it look like on a day-to-day basis for any individual employee or contributor?
1: A examples here. Uh, Zapier has a particular uh, ritual that's for actually for everyone uh, at the company called the Friday Update. And we have a, actually a Zapier built tool uh, that we call Async for asynchronous work. And uh, folks can publish blogs or Kind of results logs of of how things have gone for others to learn from. That's great. Another form of default transparency. But the specific practice I want to talk about we call the Friday update, and it it couldn't be more simple. But that's part of why it's useful. On the last day of the week of the work week, uh, folks will publish a just a five minute. Again, just like, like set a timer, five minutes. Like what what was I trying to get done this week, and how did that go, and what's my main focus for the coming week? There's also a third section if folks want to elaborate on something they learned. And some of those are incredibly rich. Uh, but that section's optional. And our teammates publish uh, that every week in a way that's searchable. You can tag your team uh, or just your manager, right? Like who, you know, whoever you think might benefit from that information. And you know, that that ritual of reflecting on like what did I set out to do this week and what did I get done? And what am I focusing on next week? And did I learn anything, you know, that I want to reflect on, you know, for my own benefit or even for the benefit of my teammates. Like there's a lot of goodness in that. There's the transparency piece, of course, but also uh, just simply the the moment of reflection. And you know, one of our other values at Zapier is growth through feedback. And so, by being transparent about the work you're doing and how things are going, you naturally invite feedback, right? Which helps everybody learn and grow. And so, it's an interesting example of how you know the default the transparency value and the growth through feedback value can actually fit together in a single practice. You know, that we call a Friday update.
0: If there are HR people leaders listening to you talk about this default the transparency concept, and they would like to implement this into their own organization. Where would they start?
1: You know, I think, I think getting started on something like this is like a, the principle I would, I would apply is progress over perfection. And if I'm a leadership team that's, that's leaning into this idea, I think the first thing worth doing is to declare your intent. Because if you're going to make some changes to how the company operates, you want to give folks the the kind of the banner or the theme so that, you know, if you start publishing things, you're not used to publishing or sharing things that typically were only for, you know, a subset of the company to, to consume, uh, folks are going to naturally wonder why that's changing and what sense should they make out of it. And so it's, it's a little bit of a meta <laughs> example of default to transparency, but like declare your intent, right? Name name progress over perfection. You know, not every organization can, can pivot. Uh, overnight from, you know, uh, whatever the status quo may be to uh, high degrees of transparency. But if uh, the leadership team declares that intent, shares some examples of how they're going to get started. And, you know, importantly, this is another form of transparency, invites uh, feedback and ideas on where they can go from there. Uh, you know, you, you will have set the table in a way where you get a continuous learning loop moving with the entire company, you're going to get feedback on some of the practices you're putting in place to be more transparent. And, you know, more likely than not, some of the best overall ideas on how the company can lean into this default to transparency value will come from your own people if uh, you invite a two-way conversation.
0: Last question here, Brandon. There's a lot of different ways an HR leader can interpret everything that you've been talking about so far. So if there was one thing that you would want them to remember from this conversation, if they were trying to default to transparency in their organization, what would it be? It'd be this,
1: Bruce. Transparency serves some of the highest callings of an HR people team. Being transparent, publishing exactly how things are meant to work, invites uh, a healthy form of scrutiny. Like I will, I will tell you that you know when we publish how something like an annual salary review works at Zapier, like we pay extra attention, right, to making sure we, we've got, we, can, we can answer the why that works and the why underneath that and the why underneath that. And so that form of transparency, I think, actually, you know, ups the bar of excellence for the, the practices and programs of the people team. Uh, in much the same way that people say that, you know, as a, you know uh, knowing something is, is useful, but knowing enough to teach it or to kind of put it out there for others to consume, you know, effectively is, a, is like the true sign. Of, of, you know, of excellence. I believe that's true for this too. And the very last thing I would say in terms of why transparency really matters for, for people teams uh, is that I think it's one of the best ways uh, to promote equity, equity and inclusion in our talent practices and programs. If you publish exactly how things are meant to work and someone deep in the organization in an instance that you would ordinarily never see uh, has an experience that, uh, that deviates from that published norm it is that much more likely that you will hear about it and can do something with that information. And that is one of the most valuable things uh, I think a people
0: team can do uh, in an organization. Brandon, thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and wisdom around such an important topic. We really appreciate you being such an awesome guest on the Employee Cycle Podcast. Woo! Go, Brandon!
1: Bruce, your check's in the mail. It was a pleasure.
0: Yes, my dollar check. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So, Brandon, where can people find you and Zapier online? You know, best way uh, for me, I do a lot of my
1: comms and advising work on uh, LinkedIn. You can just find me there, uh, Brandon Samood on LinkedIn. I think I'm the one and only or one of the onlys. And for Zapier, it's just Zapier.com. Again, Zapier makes you happier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. We're a tool that helps people automate tedium so that people can spend more time doing the things that only people can do.
0: Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all of those contact info in the show notes. So for all of you that enjoyed this podcast as much as Brandon and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating because it makes us know that we're creating great content. And who doesn't want to know that people like what you're doing, what you're putting out in the world. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast, and you either came here because you're already a huge super fan of Brandon and you just had to hear what he was going to say, or you thought that this topic was super compelling, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.